0: The following story has been brought to you by storiestoinspire.org. There was once a person by the name of, uh, let's call him Sam. And Sam had a very close friend and his name was Max. And they were very, very close with each other. They went to nursery together and they lived on the same block. And they went to, high, to elementary school together and they went to high school together. There's a true story happened in Israel. And uh, they were best friends. Everything was, was going excellent. When they got of age, uh, Sam got married first, and then uh, three months later, Max got married. Within within one year after Sam got married, he had a baby boy, and then shortly afterwards, his friend Max also had you know uh, uh, you know a child, a baby boy, you know shortly afterwards. And this, you know, as good friends that they were growing up, eventually, you know, the the whole both couples were you know the but the husband and the wife both became very close with the other husband and wife. So they um, as as their kid grew up. As Sam's kid grew up, he became uh, five years old, and they decided they're going to send him to a amazing. It was actually when he was four. When he's four, they decided to send him to this amazing preschool. Right? It was an uh, it was an unbelievable you know school, hard to get in, and they managed to get it in. So they decided they're going to send him there. The only downside was it was a little bit far. Since it was a little bit far, so they decided you know they, they have to drive him. He can't walk, so they drove him for one year. They drove him to to uh, to the to the school. When he became five, his friend's son. Max's son also came of age and they also wanted to put him in the, same, in the same school and they happened to get in and they decided listen we're both going there both lives they've lived very close to each other he says let's carpool right like nowadays everyone does it they said let's carpool and they decided that they're going to go and, and uh, they're going to switch off days which one is going to take uh, both kids so everything was working beautifully until uh, you know what the mother who says a story is a true story mother says a story says, calls it Black Monday says one day, the, the, you know, Sam was always particular. When he brought the kids to school, he would always lock one side, which was towards the oncoming traffic. He would always lock it to make sure that no one could go out and none of the kids could get into oncoming traffic. And they all have to go to the side that was closer to the curb. However, Max wasn't so uh, particular about it. So one day he goes into, he's driving both their kids, his kid and his friend's kid. And he's driving to, to school and he just parks. And he says, all right, everyone out. And, you know, the, the Sam's kid, which happened, his name was Shloymi, he said, um, you know, he just opened the door right next to him. And it just so happened to be, it was, it was you know, in the street. And it says uh, what happened was a car was speeding by. The second he stepped out, the car hit him. He mm-hmm. flew, he flew, uh, you know, tens of feet in the air. And the mother says the story that he, that he died on the spot. He he didn't make it. And, um, you know, so the mother says the story, you know, there was a funeral and there was a, you know, there was a shiva. And But she says that they were all, like, licking. It was all from, like, they were in an outside perspective. You know, it's like, uh, unfortunately, no one should ever know from this, but they, they couldn't feel like they were in it. They, they felt like they were observing it from the outside. And said they took it very, very hard. They didn't take it, you know, the, there's no way to take it easy, but they took it terribly. And, uh, you know, as his friend, you know, Max came and wanted to pay shiva call to, to, you know, Sam. And he's like, how do you, you know, how do you show your face? That because of you, his son died. You know, it's terrible. And it finally, after a few days, he said he has to go. He went and he paid a shiva call to um, this this uh, his best friend, who he unfortunately caused his kid to die. And uh, the the wife said the story. She says, you know, we weren't sure when the friendship was over, but one thing is for sure, when he left the shiva house, everybody knew that this friendship was done. They didn't take it well, and it was not the parents and not were not very receptive and understanding and an accent. They didn't take it well at all. And um, this guy Max, you know. Killed, you know, a five-year-old kid, kid got killed because of him. A person can't sleep with that. A person can't live with that. So he took it very, very hard, and he kept on coming to his friend, you know, Sam. And he kept on begging him. He's like, you know, please, you know, like, forgive me. I'm sorry. He would wake up early in the morning, go in front of his house, and say, please, I beg of you, for forgive me for what I've done. And nothing doing. Then he would cry, send letters, do everything he could. Finally, uh, Sam got really upset. already. He says, so he's like, listen. He says, nothing's ever going to change. So stop coming. I don't want to see you. Ever, I don't want to see you ever again. And he said, not only that, he says, that every time that I'm near you, I get upset. And every time, he's like, more than that, I can't stay in this neighborhood that much longer. And uh, the wife said the husband was true to his word. One month later, they got up and they moved out of the, out of the community. And they wanted and they decided they're going to start new. They went to this, uh, to this new community and uh, a, uh, about a year or so later, they were blessed with a, with a child in In the t- interim they had uh two twins, and now this is a third child, so they had three three kids at this point and uh um you know they obviously you can't replace a kid, but they felt like this was a gift from heaven sort of to ease their suffering and life goes on, and they continue with uh you know babies are going to school and they're getting older and suddenly. One day, the wife gets a, a frantic phone call from, from somebody in a hospital and says, you have to come, your husband's in the hospital. She comes, she, she comes racing down, and she's told that her husband was, you know, uh, like, you know, he fainted, he passed out in the, you know, in work. They brought him to, into the hospital, and they realize that he's, uh, he has kidney failure. Mm-hmm. And he needs uh, he needs to go now on dialysis, which means is that every three times a week he has to go to a center and they, his his kidneys doesn't work. So he can't really urinate. So now what they do is they plug someone into, uh, you know, this machine for like four or five, six hours a day, a day four, hours. To four hours a day, three days a week. Just to clean out for what the you know, like uh, all the all the toxins that usually the kidneys usually do. And, um, you know, so, you know, she looks at her husband. He became from like he used to be like a strong man. He became nothing. He went. Every, he went all the way down. He had to quit his job. He um, had to go on disability, and you know, and he had to, you know, he was on dialysis for you know for quite some time. After uh, a few months of him being on dialysis, they get a call from the surgeon, uh, who's in the hospital, and you know the the nephrologist or whatever was in charge, and they, he tells them, he said, listen, I need you both to come in here immediately. He, they, come, they both come in and he says, "Listen, I was reviewing your husband's paperwork, and it, you know it doesn't look good. He's he's on he's by end stage renal failure. Renal failure, which means is that he has you know about three months until it becomes ter- terminal, and all systems are shut, shutting down. And they're like, so you know what are we supposed to do? He says, the only thing you can do right now is uh, is really a, a a transplant. And you know the problem is is that he has a very rare blood type." And you need a very specific person with exactly the same blood type to give them the transplant, and that's very hard to come by. You know, so they're like, oh, you know, you know, they're saying like, so what are you telling us? You know, that it's over? And he's like, no, listen, we know we'll put you on on the waiting list and and God willing, we'll, you know, pray, do whatever you can, then hopefully we'll be able to to get something. So they get home. They're completely, you know, the husband's getting weaker and weaker. The wife is beside herself. She lost her child not too long ago, and now she feels like she's going to lose her her husband as well. And she goes and she says. Um, so the first thing she does is she opens up the healing Psalms and she starts reading the entire thing, crying to God, you know, nonstop. And finally, she finishes the, the book once and she decides she's going to go to the rabbi, the rabbi of the community. And he goes and she she basically spills the whole story. She tells him everything from the beginning, you know, the you know about her son that passed away and now her now her husband is sick and it's and it's not looking good. And you know, can you please do something? So the rabbi says, um, I want you to keep on praying. And he says, Don't worry, I'm going to go speak to all the biggest rabbis. I'm going to shake the heavens for you. And uh, she, felt, she felt confident, she felt good, and she went, she went home. And she said that day she finished the Tehillim three times. Soaked with tears, three times the Tehillim she finished. And she said that was her daily routine. Her daily routine was that she would go and she would recite Tehillim. And, uh, um, you know, after about two months, after, after that, she gets a call from the hospital. And the hospital saying that uh, they found a the donor. Please come in immediately. So they, they both rush in. And they they're doing some testing. It says we have a, we have a donor where we think it is a close match. So they start doing all the testing, and they find out that it's exactly the same match, and it's all systems go. So they're very excited, about Hashem. And he goes on the surgery. He goes on the surgery, and Baruch Hashem, the the surgery was successful. He bounced back. He was able to, you know, his his uh, his kidneys. Were, his now his one kidney was working, and it, it, things were getting back into uh, into into normal. And uh, about six months passed since the surgery he starts working again, he starts getting into normal uh, life, and uh, one day he shows up by his wife's work uh, he calls her from downstairs and he says, please come down, I, I need to speak to you, and she was very nervous, She so says her husband never showed up to her work once, and to come in and to say, you know, I need to speak to you, there must be something going on over here, so, and it can't be good so she goes down over there, and she sees that he's, he's white, he's like white as a horse, she's like is everything okay, is it your kidneys, is it, you know, what's, what's going on, and he's like, no, 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 everything's okay, I just, you know, something happened, I need to tell you so they sit in the car and he starts telling her, he said, listen, you know, he says, uh, you know, when I was sick with the, you know, the kidney failure, I started thinking about, you know, doing cheshbonah nephesh, which means retrospection. See how I lived my life. And he says, it really bothered me how I treated my friend uh, Max. You know, I, I don't feel like I was right. And, you know, I, didn't, I know he didn't do you know, it, you know, obviously he didn't do it on purpose. So it started bothering me. But every time I would think about him while I was sick, he said, I... It made me really bitter and really annoyed and really, you know, anxious, so I decided to just push it off. And he says, you know, today I started uh, thinking about it, you know, more. And I said, you know, let me call a mutual friend of ours to see how he's doing. So he calls over this, his mutual friend, and he's like, uh, um, you know, and, and he says, like, while I'm speaking to him, I could see that he never knew that he had any issues uh, with his kidneys. He never, you know, he, picked, he never he put the two and two together. So he says, um, he says oh, you know, how's uh, Max doing? And so his friend, the mutual friend, he said, listen, Max is, uh, you know, he's doing better. He's recuperating after the surgery, but he's, uh, you, know, he's you know, he's getting better. So the guy stops, like, Whoa, what surgery? He's like, oh, right, I forgot you're not in contact with him anymore. So he said, uh, yeah, Max, you know, I guess he felt really bad about what happened. So sort of as something, you know, to, you know, pay back God, he felt like he, he donated his kidney to somebody. And this guy, the phone just dropped. And he picks up the phone. And he's, like, uh, he's like, oh, OK, I got to go. I'll call you right back. He almost, he almost fainted, the husband said. And he said, he goes to his wife and he's like, what, what are we supposed to do? He he's like, how is this possible? How did this happen? And he, says, like, and he says, you know what? And I feel it. I feel it that he gave me his kidney. He's like, I feel that it's it." And the wife is thinking, and she's like, you know what? She starts putting, She's like a smart woman. She starts putting two and two together. She says, you know what? Let's go right, right now to the rabbi, the rabbi that I spoke to. He goes, uh, the, both of them show up at the rabbi mill today. The, the rabbi opens the door, sees both the husband and wife, both look white. And he realized something is up. And she's like, you know, something happened over here, and we think we, you were involved with it. And he sits him down. And he says, he, he says, yeah, let me explain to you what happened. He says, uh, when you moved into this neighborhood. Your friend Max came in, came into the uh, to meet me, and he said, "Listen, he says I, I really felt that he told me everything that happened, and he felt terrible, and he really wanted to make it up, and he says whatever you can do to try to put the two or two together." And so he said, "Listen, I felt you out throughout the, the years that you were here, and I saw that you know you weren't ready yet, so I didn't mention anything." So, but when your wife came and said that you know you need a kidney, or otherwise you're not making it in the past three months. I realized it's now or never. Let me call him. Let's see. So I call. This guy, Max, and when I speak to Max and I tell him about the whole situation, he stops for a second and he says, I'm a match. And the guy's like, he's like, well, the rabbi says, what do, you, what do you mean you're a match? It's a very rare blood type. You don't know? He's like, No, 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 I know. He says, When we were younger, we took a CPR course together and we had to take our blood work. And we both have the same rare blood work. And, um, but, but the rabbi said, he says, Listen, I don't think if he tells you that it's his best friend, you know, that, that killed his son, going to now give you his kid, I don't think he's going to accept it. So the, the Max said, He said, Listen, I don't want him to know. I don't want him to know that I gave him the, the kidney He says we, they went through some organization Which took some time To sort of, you know, keep the donor anonymous Which is, you know, it's not, it's not unlikely that, they, that people do that So they kept everything anonymous And the rabbi said, but now that you came to me And you figured it out I figured, you know, might as well tell you the whole story And, and here it is So the husband and wife, you know, froze for, They sat down, they were, they, were, they were completely beside themselves And they're thinking, and they're like You know what I, can, can you set up a meeting? Can we meet them? And the writer says, absolutely, we'll, we'll set up a meeting. They set up a meeting to meet in the hotel lobby. And the next day, the next day, the husband and wife go to meet, uh, you know, their once uh, best friends. And they see them in the hotel lobby in the distance. So the second that they lock, the husbands locked eyes, they just start, They dropped everything that they did. And they ran towards each other and embraced each other. And they started crying at each other. And, you know, the woman saw that. So the woman, you know, emotionally, you know clicks on and they also started crying and they also went and they hugged and they had an unbelievable uh, you know reunion and you know the guy who you know the, who donated the kidney said you know i'm so you know I, I can't tell you how bad i feel i it's still to the guilt fills me to this day for what had happened to your son and you know the other guy sam is saying listen I, I feel bad i should apologize the way i treated you i know you didn't do it on purpose i know it wasn't your fault and they just kept on uh, you know apologizing to each other and they sort of made up and they became uh, friends again a short while later, there were, there were talking, the, the two husbands were talking and the, and the one that donated the kidney said, he said, you should know, uh, Sam. He says, even if your kid wouldn't have died, I was still giving you my kidney. He says, because you're like a brother to me. And he says, and I would give it to you anyway. And, 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 you know, this is what you see, the story of how, you know, people have been, what happens in life, and into people's life, and how people are, you know, take a grudge and they, they hold it in. And meanwhile, their life, savior could come from the death of somebody else you know it, it, people don't understand people live life and they're assuming that you know what happens happens and that's it if i see that you're not good to me now i'm not i'm never going to deal with you you know and people live their life with grudges and and just this brings such a lack of happiness such a lack of success in life for what for the at the end of the day you know you push away people that you love the most people that care about you the most you end up pushing away enjoyed this story come again bring a friend stories to inspire.org